Up next, ladies and gentlemen, I'm delighted to be joined by the Wolf Tones founder, Derek Warfield. He's a legendary singer, songwriter, historian, and mandolin player. Derek, you're very welcome back on Ireland Calls. Great to have you on the show again. Thank you, Tasha. It's my pleasure to be speaking with you. <laughs> Where did you start out in Dublin? Uh, I'm from a small neighbourhood in Dublin, in Chicago, which is in the southwest of the city. I started a group there in that neighborhood, and uh, most of the people in that neighborhood worked on the inner, about the railroad in Ireland. Uh, so all my family worked on the railroad, and um, it was a stable uh, community because many people were working, and um, there was a bit of leisure time for music, and of course I grew up in a house car filled with music. You know, I suppose that was the foundation indeed of my love for music down through the years. Yes, and did you ever see it as a being a career like it is now? No, I didn't, know. Uh, I'll be honest, um, I think nobody could have foreseen that because, you know, the circumstances of which I grew up were uh, the, the options indeed for advancement were very, very few. So uh, I think that um, the musicians and, um, and performers and singers in, in my neighbourhood uh, were there, but, uh, but for, you know, uh, it was just a fortunate circumstance that brought them into music. A lot of them would have, have had very little formal training in music, but there were teachers in the locality. I think music was a big part of our life because um, we celebrated music through with through a family circle. My mother always encouraged me to sing, so I probably knew uh, 40 or 50 songs at the time, was seven or eight. Uh, I liked to sing, and I used to sing... Um, and I think um, my, my mother and my family recognized that. So thinking back, that's probably the start of my career as a performer. Yes. And if you had to look back at a turning point in your career, when do you think it was? I grew up with a lot of young people that shared uh, the interest in music. It probably was a very good outlet. Like, um, we lived on the edge and the margins of the city. Uh, so we were close to the countryside. And um, music was never far away from all of my friends. So... I founded the uh, the Wolf Tones with um, my brother Brian and uh, a neighbour, Noel Nagel and uh, Philip Woodner, uh, back in 1963. And uh, I think that was the start of my uh, musical career. But I didn't foresee it as a very uh, permanent thing at that time, but gradually it developed into that. Yes. And is it possible to pick out a highlight from it? Uh, well, I think um, our former manager, uh, Oliver Berry, I asked him that question there a couple of weeks ago, and um, uh, he said to me, uh, I said, Oliver, what do you feel is the, the highest pinnacle that the Wolf Tones ever achieved? And he said, well, he said, I took Michael Jackson to Ireland uh, twice. I seen Elvis Presley and, uh, a couple of times, he said, and I seen the Beatles a few times. He said, but the best night of music that I've ever seen, he says, was in uh, May of 1982. And it was the Wolf Tones' first performance in the Apollo uh, in Glasgow, in Scotland. He says, I've never seen a concert like that in my life. He said, since or before. Um, it just, uh, the energy in the audience, the excitement of the people, because we had tried to do a concert in Scotland for almost uh, for 20 years and uh, had been refused by the police. But eventually we, we got to do it, uh, thanks to a lady um, that was... Um, a very good promoter, and uh, her husband was a, a lawyer, and uh, he, he challenged the right of the authorities to stop us playing there. 
he, he said this band has played uh, in so many venues around the world. They played in the Carnegie Hall. They played in um, some of the biggest um, performance stages in the world. But of course, the reason that we were stuck from playing was prejudice in Britain towards uh, artist song, because artist song reminds, indeed, the world of uh, a lot of artist songs remind the world of uh, the the wrongdoings of uh, uh, English authorities in Ireland. Derek, you capture the audience, young and old. You always have. That must be fantastic. Just everybody. I have a son in Australia. The only one who listens to is Derek who are filled in the young wolf tones. He loves it. Yeah, and uh, you know, the old man, and with the, particularly with the young wolf tones, we have a big young following. A wonderful achievement because, you know, I've always believed uh, there's something very magical about intergenerational entertainment. And uh, I've always noticed that, uh, like, when I was younger in uh, the family circle and uh, uh, back in the early start of my career, the audience was always young and old um, in that audience. I've tried to maintain that, and I've always insisted that we play in cabaret. There's a small space for the uh, younger people to dance and the older people can watch them. Yes. <laughs> and uh, that's something special. But I think it's a characteristic, indeed, of our of our heritage and tradition that, that people like to share the entertainment, the young and old. And, and I've tried to maintain that through my career. And particularly um, with the young world songs, uh, like we, we have all ages on the show, which is wonderful. It leads also to a show that everybody can enjoy. And then we encourage the young people to dance. I mean... Of course, the older people just to sit down and watch them. <laughs> yes, yes. You have been on the road a long time now. How do you keep performing at the top level that you do? Thank God that, that I've had reasonably good health over the last 20 years, since my 60s. I couldn't perform if I didn't have that, and I, I thank God for that. You know, I'm able to measure, like, the um, performances and... Um, and like and everything else, like we, we were locked down by the COVID and um, tried to avoid getting colds or um, flu, you know, because it was like your voice. And um, I just be careful. And I do um, get a medical checkup every couple of months, you know, just to make sure that I, I, I can take the, take the road and uh, the travel. And sometimes I think you'll probably know to us that the easiest thing in our business really is performing on stage. That's what we like to do. But the most difficult thing really is getting sometimes to the venues and uh, making sure that um, all the systems, uh, sound and um, staging and everything is correct. That can be a bit of a problem in the actual performance. <laughs> Tell me about your album, Let the Free Birds Fly. Uh, well, during the lockdown, um, like we were deprived of performing for almost two years, and particularly like performing here in America um, because we... We could, uh, with limitation, do things in Ireland, and we created some uh, videos, and uh, we spent a lot of time in the recording studio. Let the Freebirds Fly is, is the product of need of those that year, and uh, there's also a second album that we've recorded um, during the COVID that is really in post-production now. It's, it'll be released um, very, very shortly. But Let the Freebirds Fly is... Um, a song that's based on uh, the fields of Athenry, and the cover of the album was designed by the iconic artist uh, Robert Bella. And uh, Robert is um, 
a man that has um, depicted the images of, um, of Ireland and of the troubles over the last generation. He's had some famous, um, very, very powerful images, and he created an image of the H-Block with ten birds flying out of it in very, very beautiful colours. We used that as a cover for our album, and um, for the first time, we also got the CD printed in... Um, as a vinyl uh, an LP, and um, seems that the LPs and, and vinyls are coming back. Oh. And uh, I meet a lot of people at the shows, and they said, well, thank God you didn't throw out your record player. <laughs> you still have it. <laughs> yeah, Tommy and myself, we have so many vinyls. All, and we, we did not throw them out. We have loads of them. We have loads of your vinyls, too. And we love them. Yeah, we didn't throw them out. Thank God for that. Where is the album available? Well, it's available from a website, and uh, it'll be available at all our shows, uh, of course. It's also available for download in all the download um, stations. I'm sure, like, um, if anyone wants it, um, they can find it on the Internet. Um, it's a kind of a special album because, um, you know, on it, um, we included songs that perhaps we would not have had the time to develop and uh, to sing. We found ourselves like during the lockdown with a lot of time, and we decided that weekly we did a broadcast through the internet, and that was a great success because it kept us in touch with a lot of our communities where the, the, where the band was popular, and then also brought us some new fans because they had never heard us before, and that uh, you know, so it's an ill wind that doesn't blow some good. Yes, yes, yeah, that's for sure. And you know, the internet is great, like you said. During COVID, we all listened because it did keep us going. It, you were worrying about, everyone was worried about their neighbours, so to speak, because we were wondering, were they sick? Were they still with us? We're still worried today because if we haven't heard from someone, you worry, are they still with us? But thankfully, so far, everyone of mine are with me. But it, it, it is a worry, and thank God it's in the past now. Yes, uh, it was an, an awful time, really. Um, and uh, I think a lot of businesses, a lot of people's lives haven't come back. It's been a new order for a lot of governments and uh, communities and for business. A lot of great businesses uh, closed during the So mm -hmm. there were a lot of casualties yeah. um, during the lockdown, and sometimes you forget that. It becomes very evident when you're traveling, you know, so well, where did that place go to when it, you know, it closed during the COVID and the, the leases, people put up the rent and they want to rent and there so many businesses and um, cabaret places closed during the COVID. I know many, and uh, I'm very mindful of the, the, the damage that it's done for uh, a lot of people in entertainment, because most people in entertainment didn't get any um, like government help here. And so and it was, um, and those that were not recognized names, you know, that were dependent on uh, day weekly work, they were affected badly. But, you know, people are resilient and they uh, looking at the positive side, you know, as I said, um, we were able to keep in contact with our audience through a lot of the shows we did weekly on Fridays and Saturdays nights, and that was good. There were negatives about, and, and big negatives about for a lot of people in business and the lives of a lot of people that had built up a lot of enterprises, and then sadly they were hit badly. 
They were. And, you know, I think people still aren't back up on their feet. They're just getting there this year. I can see a little improvement, and some people will never go back to being in business again. And it's sad. It did have a lot of um, casualties, as you said. Yes. It's an... It's tragic, and I, uh, I know uh, a man that uh, had a beautiful place down in Texas, and uh, he lost it, uh, and he had spent so much money in, in the business, like prior, not knowing that what was down the road, and then, um, yeah. you know, that, that that's, you know, it's that's tragic. difficult for anybody to come back from that. You're right, there are a lot of people that are still indeed suffering from the trauma and from the uh, the lockdown uh, and we hope that um, we won't see it again. <laughs> oh, that's for sure. We don't need to see that again. We, we have enough of that. Now we're going to move forward. Please God and uh, hopefully uh, everybody listening has, has moved forward a little bit from it. But uh, like I said, the good news, we always have to have a bit of good news, is that you're on tour and people are going to get a chance to see you and the Young Wolf Tones. I know that on March the 6th you're in Babylon at Lily's in Long Island. March the 7th you're up in Albany at the CDIAA. And March the 9th you're right here in the Bronx in the Rambling House. Has New York always been one of your favourite places to come and perform? New York was the first uh, protocol that I performed in and uh, the warmth and the appreciation that was given to Irish song and music by the Irish communities in New York is legendary. I mean... I, I think um, in many ways Irish America kept alive the the value and the of our our song and music when at times it was undervalued in Ireland. So it was always a, a very appreciative audience, particularly for our songs, our ballads, you know, that um were saying something positive about our history and our about our people. So yes, I mean it's evident in the bigger American cities that there's a very hardcore people that do have a great appreciation for Irish music and uh, and song and, and dance and all our traditions, you know, that has strengthened over my lifetime into many different ways it's expressed and that, that's great to see because uh, you have um, a, a very wide-ranging audience now that are not Irish that um, appreciate the artistic value of the songs and the, of the music and everything else that goes along with it. I mean, you see with the development of dancing, dancing worldwide is, is, um, it is an art form now that's accepted. Yes. And back in the 1970s, I, I remember challenging um, and the people in, uh, in the theatre in Dublin, in the Abbey Theatre, to present Irish dance. Uh, they put Russian dance on in the Abbey Theatre, and they said, why don't you put Irish dance on? You know, but it was left to the people in Ireland uh, and the people here in America to put their values, indeed, on their own traditions and to propagate them and to create them. And that happened to our song and happened to all our, our heritage because it was undervalued. And, and sometimes it was just thrown aside it's under English colonial rule and was given no um, uh, oxygen uh, to develop it. But I think uh, today, like uh, all our traditions um, uh, are flourishing and they, they, they get stronger because the, the foundation of our, of our heritage and culture is very, very strong, very powerful. And it's found up, of course, with our our nationality and the stone of it all with our identity and it strengthened our identity around the world, particularly our songs and our music. Yes, I have to agree because I was growing up in Ireland in uh, the 70s, the 80s and 
we really were taught about our history in Ireland, the 1916 Rising, no way. There was a lot of stuff that was not on the programme, and we weren't taught about it. But listening to songs now, it's all taught now, of course, but listening to your songs and your, the history that you, you went to such great lengths to teach the history and let it be known in true song. And that was what we always did in Irish history anyway, isn't it? During the English rule, didn't the, everyone sing their songs as Gaelga and get them across and they spread the messages that way. And you're continuing that today, and thank you for that. Well, uh, you know, that you just have to look at the history books and the uh, oldest recording, the oldest texts of Irish history have uh, music uh, and poems uh, recording the events of, of merit in society. We really continue that. I've always seen that that was the case. Like, it didn't start in our generation. It's the purple heritage that's remained with the Irish people. So, in many ways, our, all our history and the, the characteristics of our race are all in, the, in our music and song. Yes. And, um, and that can never be taken away or destroyed because it costs nothing except the lips of those who would sing and the ears of those who would listen. And um, the song couldn't be destroyed. And yes. um, where other parts of our heritage are universities and our colleges and uh, were destroyed by colonialism from England. But the actual uh, ingredients of our, of our civilization uh, were beyond the reach of them. Um, and it's been true in history in all civilizations and in all uh, countries that uh, there are always people to keep that alive. Uh, that's happened all, all over the world. With Ireland, um, thankfully, there, was, there were always people in society that devoted their lives to the preservation of our music, of our songs, uh, of our language, of our dance, uh, and uh, to see that it flourished. There was no institution, but there were always people there to do that. And uh, I've always seen, indeed, myself and, uh, and the band as um, uh, taking on that challenge as well to keep alive a heritage of uh, resistance and songs and music. Derek is on tour. If you go into the youngworldtones.com, youngworldtones.com, folks, you will get the complete list of dates for Derek's tour and lots more information. Derek Warfield, thank you for chatting with me once again on Ireland Court. I could, I could chat to you all day. You're absolutely fantastic, man. You are full of knowledge. Good luck on your tour. And happy St. Patrick's Day. Benacht la le fordrick dit agus gach dinna egeistacht. Thank you so much, Derek. Thank you very much indeed, Tressa. And it's a great pleasure to talk to you and to find them in the here in America that there's some of that really places of high value and all that we love. Thanks for the support and the opportunity to speak to your listeners. Thank you indeed. Good night, Ian Borlatt Sloan. I was too fain.